Isaiah chapter 43, where we were in the Bible, I want you to look at those verses again. Isaiah 43, what a great passage of scripture. The Bible says, but now, verse number one, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Don't you love that? It's God speaking to his people. By the way, God will never forsake his people. He'll never forsake his people. And he says, fear not. He said, I have redeemed thee, and I have called thee by thy name. And I love that last phrase, thou art mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I want to draw your attention to that phrase in the very first verse of Isaiah 43, where he says, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. I have called thee by thy name. There's power in a name. You ask anybody in sales and they'll tell you, Quickly, you better learn people's names and be able to use their names. Our pastor is tremendous at this, isn't he? At knowing everybody's name. I marvel uh, when I first came on staff here to minister here in Hammond, and, and I figured out that Pastor Wilkerson, he really does. He, he seemingly knows everybody's name. It's incredible. I had a friend of mine who's kind of a, a prankster, and, and a, he met pastor in Iowa, and at one of these get-togethers, one of these um, alumni meetings, and he didn't really know Pastor real well, and he met him in Iowa, and, and uh, he was going through the line, and he shook his hand, and Pastor said, what's your name? And my friend, just being uh, goofy, he said, my name is, is Hingle. Uh, Hingle, okay. And Pastor said, well, Hingle, nice to meet you, Hingle. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, Hingle, what do you do for the Lord? And, and my friend said, I run a camp in Wisconsin. Okay, and he, he moved on. A few months later, he ran into Pastor again, and, uh, and Pastor said, uh, hey, Hingle, nice to meet you. <laughs> this guy called me up as soon as he got away. He said, Abdel, we have a problem. <laughs> I, said, I said, no. I said, you have a problem. I said, I have a story to tell, but, but you have a problem, and uh, that's, that's great. But how he knows, he knows your name, it's, it's remarkable. I asked him one time, I said, Pastor, how do you do that? How do you know everybody's name? I said, do you have a, a photographic memory? Is that what it is? And he said, no, Brother Abdel, no. I said, well, what do you do? Thought I'd get like some secret, you know, to knowing everybody's name. And he said, well, he said, the first thing that I do is when I meet somebody, I ask them their name. I said, okay, <laughs> I get it, you know, check, we can do that. And, uh, he said, I asked her, and then he said, and then I try to use it several times in the, in, the, uh, in the conversation, just right there in that first moment, I'll ask them their name, and I'll, I'll use it a few times, and I said, okay, yeah, that's good, I can do that, and then he said, and then, and then I pray for him, and he said, he said, you know, Brother, Brother Abdel, when you love people and you pray for them, you have a tendency to remember their names, and I, and I went... <laughs> Man, I'm looking at my kids sometimes, calling them the wrong name, you know. Who are you? No, but, uh, but power in a name. It's remarkable. You know, here, the Bible says that he knows our name. 
The Bible says that he calls us by name. I have an unusual name, Abdel Karim Aisa Judah. It's a great name. I'll be at the airport here in a couple of hours, and they know my name too, but, uh, but it's great. It's a, it's a good name. I'm thankful for my name. I always knew when I was in trouble, though, my, my mom or my dad, my dad, that thick Arabian accent. You know, sometimes they'd call me Abby growing up, or they'd call me Abdel quite a bit, but, but when they would add that middle name, I was in trouble. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And they would add, and when you hear, when you hear an Arabian uh, with that accent saying, Abdel Karim, that's a problem, all right? You are in trouble. And I knew it. Uh, The power of a name. There are many times in the Bible when Jesus speaks to the crowd in general. Many times where Jesus speaks to the multitudes, or he speaks to the disciples, or he uh, addresses perhaps the Pharisees, and that often happens in the Bible. As a matter of fact, most of the time, Jesus is addressing a crowd, just like I'm uh, preaching to you right now. But there are some times in the New Testament where Jesus moves from the crowd, and he moves from the multitude, and he calls some people out, and he calls them out by name. He uses their name in these moments in their life, and I want to bring those to you this morning. I want to look at four times when Jesus called somebody by name. Four times when it wasn't a general message. Four times when it wasn't for everybody listening, but he he zeroed in on one person and he thought it important enough to call them by name and to deliver a message for them. And here's what I found, friend. While he called these four people by name in the New Testament, there have been times in my life when I was in situations just like them, where it was almost like the Lord was calling my name and he'll call your name. You won't hear an audible voice, but it'll be an impression on the heart, maybe through a song or through the sermon or through... Uh, something, but the Holy Spirit uh, will single you out of the crowd, and, and he will call you by name. I love that about God. I love the fact that when he speaks to us, he, he speaks intelligently. He knows us. When he speaks to us, he speaks personally. He, he, he speaks to me, and when he speaks, he speaks authoritatively. He has all power, and he calls us by name. I want to look at the first one. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 19. We'll look at these four people and and, uh, their story and we'll be done. But he'll call your name. The first scripture I want to look at is in Luke 19 and he calls somebody's name and he calls them for something very specific. He calls them for salvation. He calls them for salvation. The story revolves around a character named Zacchaeus. And the Bible says in Luke 19, that uh, the very first verse, that as Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, uh, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him... Now understand, friends, what we just read. There's a great crowd. There's a lot of people present. There's a multitude. So many people. The Bible says that Zacchaeus was short, you know, and and, uh, he couldn't see uh, over the heads and and past the people. And so he, he goes and he climbs a sycamore tree. 
And here he is in an out-of-the-way place, and, and all these people are present, and Jesus is passing by, and no doubt there was chatter and noise, and people were talking, and probably an electric atmosphere, but Jesus stops in the middle of it all, and look at what he does in verse number five. The Bible says, and he saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Verse number six, and he made haste and he came down and received him joyfully. Verse number nine, and Jesus said unto him, this day, this day is salvation. Come to this house for as much as he also is the son of Abraham, the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He will call your name for salvation. You see, when it comes to salvation, my friend, it's more than just being a part of a crowd. It is, it is more than just coming to church and being in the multitude. When it comes to salvation, it is more than maybe having a family heritage and, and a, a, a mom and a dad that have been saved and, and grandparents that are godly and all, all of that is good and it's wonderful. It's something to thank God for, but when it comes to our salvation, He'll call us by name. When it comes to our salvation, it is a personal thing. It is a personal thing. And if you're sitting here this morning and you've never been born again, if you're sitting here this morning and maybe you're relying on the fact that you're in a crowd and, and you're in a church and you have a good family and a good heritage, listen, that is not salvation. Salvation is when the Lord Jesus calls us by name and we respond to that. And just like Zacchaeus, we receive him joyfully. That is salvation. It is a personal thing. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a sinner. He was, we get the wrong picture of Zacchaeus. We really do. We, we think about Zacchaeus, we see a little short guy, you know, and uh, the, the children color the, the picture of Zacchaeus in Sunday school, the little kindergartner kids, and, and he's just, we, we almost look at him like an Oompa, Oompa Loompa. You know what I'm talking about? You ever see that? Christian documentary, <laughs> Willy Wonka, you ever see that? Little short, little Oompa Loompa, you know, like Oompa Loompa. And, and we look at Zacchaeus, big smile on his face, money bag, you know, Oompa Loompa, give me your money. <laughs> and uh, that's, we, we think of Zacchaeus like that, but, but Zacchaeus was a sinner. He was a tax collector, a thief. Oh, they haven't changed much. No, I'm just kidding. But he was a, he was a thief. He was a, he was a robber. Listen, Zacchaeus was a man, and to get into the, the culture of the time, it was his job to strong-arm people and to get their money, and he had the authority, and this is where it comes in. This is where the, the criminal aspect comes in. He had the authority to appraise your goods at an inflated value and to, to assess more tax than you owe, often pocketing uh, the difference. That was Zacchaeus. This is a man who had the authority to uh, enter your home whenever he wanted. He had the authority to demand a payment and, and inflated payment. And if you couldn't pay, he had the authority th to throw you into prison. He showed no mercy to the poor, I believe. He abused his power. This man, in verse number two, the Bible makes a, a, a specific point of saying, and he was rich. 
And of course, not everybody that's rich is a thief, and not everybody that's rich abuses power, but, but it's interesting in context of he's a, a tax collector, and in context of, of who he was to say that he was rich almost implies that he came by that wealth unfairly. Zacchaeus himself alludes to the behavior in verse number 8. Look at what he says. He says, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And look at this. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. You see, Zacchaeus was not a cute little oompa loompa. Zacchaeus was a sinner. He was, he was a thief and a robber. He was a man who, who when Jesus visited him, look what it says in verse number seven, the Bible says, and, and when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And nobody disagreed. Nobody stands up for Zacchaeus and says, no, no, he's a good guy. No, they all knew what he was. He was a sinner. And Jesus called him by name. Boy, I'm glad that there's nobody who's gone so far that God can't still reach down and save them. I'm glad that there's no condition so uh, extreme and so wicked that Jesus isn't willing to call us by name because he is. And he called Zacchaeus and, uh, and salvation is personal. Zacchaeus in a crowd accepted Christ. Uh, in a moment of time, you see, friends, salvation is not a process. Salvation is not discipleship. You're not saved after three or four booklets. I'm for it. I think it's great. But salvation is a moment in time, a moment where the Lord calls your name, where you feel the conviction of God and something on the inside is saying, hey, you need to listen and you need to, you need to wake up. And he's talking to you. Why? Because he is talking to you and you receive it. And you have a moment, a moment where a connection is made. Something about birth and, and connection. I can remember, and she'll love the story, but my daughter is here. She's our first. And I can remember when she was born, I could take you to St. Joseph's Hospital, Parkersburg, West Virginia, where Minda and I welcomed Alana Judah into the world. It was a great day. It was great. I, I remember the whole thing like it was yesterday. My mom had convinced me that there was a certain way to hold a baby. And she said, Abdel, you messed that up. She said, listen, you have to know how to cradle a baby's neck. And you have to know how to hold the baby. She said, if, if you don't hold the baby right, you can snap their neck. <laughs> and what a terrible thing to say to, you know, a new dad. I'm freaking out. And my mom, I, those words are ringing in my ear. And, and Alana's born, and, and Minda's holding Alana, and I'm, I'm standing off to the side. I mean, it was pre-COVID, and I'm like eight feet away, just, hello. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm standing there, and, and, and it, it was great, and the nurse picks up Alana, and she says, uh, do, do you want to hold her? And, and I did. I, I said, uh, no. <laughs> no. Somebody told me that if I don't do this right, <laughs> it could be a disaster. So I, I said, no. And the nurse looked at me, confused. Like, what is your problem? <laughs> and uh, so the nurse took Alana over, wrapped her up, you know, you know the whole deal, and, and put her in that little tray next to the be bed there, like, like the KFC chicken tray, <laughs> the, little, the little warmer, <laughs> you know. 
put Alana there, and, uh, and Alana's there doing her thing. And the nurse looks at me and says, and, and says you, can, you can touch her. You can hold her. You can touch her. I said, okay. And, and, and I walked over, <laughs> and I peered. I peered over the, the, the grandstand of heaven. <laughs> but I, I walked over, and I looked. And, and I literally, I was just going to touch her. I was just going to, just the nurse said I could touch her. So I was just going to reach down there and just, just make sure that everything was good. And, and I walked over and I reached down to touch her. And, and, uh, and as I reached down, I don't, know, I don't know if it was the Lord, I don't know what it was, but, but as I reached down into that, that warmer, <laughs> whatever it is, that tray, as I, I'm feeling an eight piece right about now, but no, but as I reached over into that, into that, area and I put my finger down just to touch her, she reached up and she held my finger. And when she did, I broke like a, like a sixth grade girl. I mean, I was just, oh, I mean, I cried. It was awesome. Hey, it was a connection. I mean, I will remember that story for the rest of my life. I'll remember that feeling. There was connection made, life and, and connection. Let me tell you something, friend. Uh, when you come to church, uh, it's a great thing to come to church, and it's a great thing to be in a Sunday school class, and it's a great thing to work on a bus route or to be in a Christian school. But salvation, when it comes to salvation, hey, the Lord will call your name. It is a personal thing, a personal moment where connection was made with you and with heaven. He'll call your name. There have been many people, even in our own assembly here, who even in recent days, check every box of Christian heritage, who've gotten their salvation settled. And good for that, because they've realized it's not just being a part of a crowd or a multitude. It's a personal thing. And he called Zacchaeus his name, and he called it for salvation. There's a second time, and I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to John chapter number 20. You still with me? Say amen. John chapter number 20. He called Zacchaeus by name, and he called him for salvation. There may be somebody in the room this morning, and the Lord's talking to you. We could stop the message right now, and you know what you need to do. You need to be saved. You need a moment with Christ. You need to be born again. Connection needs to be made. And if that's you, I urge you in a few moments to get that thing settled. But he doesn't stop there. He called somebody else's name in the Bible. If you would, look if you would at John chapter number 20. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says in John 20, 11, the Bible says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, boy, right in the middle of it, as she wept, in the, in the depths of despair, Mary, at the tomb of Christ, Mary, Jesus had already been brutally crucified. They took the body of Jesus down. They wrapped it in linen. They placed it in a borrowed tomb. All the disciples had fled except John. Most of his followers were gone. And here is Mary. She's at the tomb and she's weeping, the Bible says. And it's, uh, I believe it's uncontrollable weeping and, and tears as she wept, confused about the plan of God. 
Why did it have to unfold like this? Hey, have you ever been confused in the Christian life? Have you ever looked at some circumstances and, and said, man, where is God in all of this? And why does it have to be this way? Mary doubting the love of God, wondering about her future with the Lord and what it all meant. There she is weeping and distraught. Do you see it? It's a midnight hour. It's darkness, confusion in the heart of Mary. And as she wept in verse number 11, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. See, the two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. You see it? Mary. Called her name. In, in the middle of her midnight hour, when tears are being shed, one of his children is confused and doubting. It's not enough at that time just to speak to the crowd and just to address the assembly. No, Jesus makes a point to find her and not only to find, well, I like the fact that he was there and she didn't even know he was there. He was there and she didn't even realize he was there. She thought he was the gardener and she had no idea until he finally said, Mary. And something about the way that he said it and something about the love in his voice and something about the tone, she knew that this was not a gardener and she knew this was Jesus. And he was there for Zacchaeus. He was there for salvation. For Mary, he was there for consolation. Consolation. I mean, at her lowest, he called her name. And friend, I'd like to tell you that the Christian journey is just going to be roses and, and all good until we get to heaven, and, but it's not going to be. There's going to be times in your life and in my life where we are low, where we are in a valley, where we are hurt, where we are confused, where we are doubting, where we're looking around looking for answers, and seemingly there are no answers to be found. And in that moment, if you'll listen, see, at first she had no idea. And, and by the way, maybe you're like that right now. Hey, Jesus is trying to call your name. He's never forsaken his children. He's not going to forsake you. Uh, you need to open your ears and listen for the tender voice of God. You Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. There's no place you can go. The Lord's not there. And in your darkest hour, he'll call your name. This is the love of God. Oh, what a Savior that not only saves us, but when we're low, he'll call our name. Mary, Mary, have you ever felt defeated? Have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever had a dark day or dark days? Have you ever had a time where you just needed to be loved? Have you ever, have, ever had a time where you needed somebody to notice a low point in your life? Friend, listen, you may or may not get that from people on this earth, but if you're a child of God, you'll never go through, though I pass through the rivers of water and through the fire, hey, you'll never go through a time like that where he doesn't call your name. I was preaching a, a camp here this summer 
And I don't even know the message I was preaching or the point I was trying to make, but, but at some point in the message, I said to the young people that were there, we we're talking about brokenness, and I, I said to them, I said, it's okay to be broken. I just made that statement and moved on. But I said, it's okay to be broken. The service was over and, and um, had the invitation and all that, and afterwards, a young man came to me, and he was obviously uh, upset, and he was, he was crying, and he shook my hand. He said, Brother Judah, he said, thank you for telling me that it's okay to be broken. And I don't know I, I, if it was the Lord or what it was, but I shook his hand, and I said, you're welcome. And I looked at him, and I said, well, let me tell you something. Jesus can fix what's broken. It is okay to be broken. There are people in the Bible that were broken. There's people in the Bible. Mary was broken. Her future, her hopes, her dreams, her plan, gone. Brutally crucified on a cross. Probably the whole time she was waiting for him to come down, and he didn't. She was broken. But in the midst of it all, Mary, he called her name. She turned, verse number 16, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master, and Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, look at this, look at what he, look at what he said to her. Go unto them and say unto them, I ascend unto my father, look at this, and your father, and to my God, and your God. Hey, Mary, don't forget who your father is. Don't forget who your God is. Not just a general God, a general, no, 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 he is your, see, you see, he comes to you and he reminds you of who he is and what he's done. He calls your name, friend, and if you can't find comfort in that, then you are looking in the wrong spot. There have been times in my life, and I have illustrations and stories to tell, and there have been times in my life that have been dark and low, things too personal that I would not even say publicly. And I've wondered, man, where is God in all of this? If you listen, you listen close enough, you'll hear it. You won't hear it in your ear, you'll hear it in your heart. Hey, he's not forsaken his children. He'll call your name and he'll remind you of some things. He'll remind you of who he is and what he's done. When you get the, the bad news, when you get the uh, bad news at work, the bad news at a doctor's office, you walk out and you say, man, what, what, what are we going to do? Listen closely. Oftentimes you grab the phone, you call a friend, or you'll call the preacher, and that's fine, but, but if you listen closely, before you even realize he's there, he's there calling your name. Nobody will ever love you like Jesus. Nobody will ever care like Jesus. I'm glad that he calls us by name. There's another instance when he calls our name. First of all, he called Zacchaeus for salvation. He called Mary for consolation. I like this one. Turn to John chapter number 11 and, and look at this one if you would. John chapter number 11, verse number 35 The Bible says, this is Brother Eddie's favorite verse. It's the only one that he's ever memorized. But John eleven thirty five 35 says, Jesus wept. Here you see the compassion of God. Jesus wept there at the scene of Lazarus. Remember how I told you, remember how I told you that Jesus speaks and he speaks intelligently. He knows your circumstance, Mary. 
He speaks personally, hey, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come on down. Uh, he's, <laughs> you're the next contestant on The prices right now. But he speaks uh, intelligently. He speaks personally. But, but watch this conversation here. He speaks authoritatively. You see, when Jesus speaks, he speaks in a way that few of us can speak, that none of us can speak. In the case of Lazarus, he's dead. Dead. And Jesus is about to speak authoritatively. First he weeps. Verse 36, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. And it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou should see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And he continues to pray in verse 42. And in verse number 43, the Bible says, And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. And look at it. Lazarus! Come forth. That voice of authority. We listen for the voice of princes and kings and presidents and orators, but never a man spake, the Bible says, like this man spake. He spoke with an authority, and, and he says to, the, to, the, to Lazarus, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin, and Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Zacchaeus for salvation. Mary for consolation, comfort. Lazarus for revitalization. Something had died, and Jesus wanted to bring it back to life. May I ask you a question, church? Is there something in your life that has died? Something that only God can bring back to life. In this case, it was only God who could perform this miracle. Four days dead? They make the astute observation. By this time, he stinketh. That was, that's true. Kind of like a junior hire on the last day of camp, you know. By this time, he stinketh. <laughs> dead for four days. There wasn't a person there that could do anything about it. Not a person there who could bring it back to life. Then Jesus steps in with all power and all authority, and he calls his name. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And I don't know what happened after that. I don't know if the ground began to shake. I don't know what happened. But in a few moments... That which was dead was alive again, breathing again, a testimony to the glory of God. And friend, it has been my experience that, that there are things in my life at times that die. Relationships that die and dreams that die and hopes that die. And only Jesus could bring it back together again. And I thank God that when something is dead, it can be made alive. The authority of God to speak 
speak your name. There are some people in this uh, church, I am convinced, I am convinced, uh, you, need to, you need to get moving again. You, oh, look at this, look what the Bible says in verse number 39. The Bible says that when all of this was happening, the Bible says that Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Isn't that interesting? Jesus looks at the people and he says, he, now he knows what he's about to do. He is about to take Lazarus, who is dead, and bring him back to life. But before he does it, he looks at the crowd and he says, take ye away the stone. There would be another time where somebody was dead and where he was going to be brought back to life and where a stone would be rolled away and there would be no help needed that time. Look, Jesus could have miraculously moved that stone on his own. He, he does later. In his resurrection. But, but at this point, he looks at the people and he says, remove the stone, remove the stone. The Bible says, verse 41, and they took the stone away from the place where the dead was laid. You say, Brother Judah, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. What if they never would have removed the stone? What if they never would have obeyed the voice of the Lord? Would Lazarus have come back or would he have just simply walked away and moved on? You see, it's been my experience that, that when it comes to revival, when it comes to revitalization, uh, when it comes to bringing back to life that which is died in my life, I have a part to play. And if I'll do my part, God always does his part. He looked at these people and he said, remove the stone. And they did it. And then he called Lazarus by name. There have been times in my life where some stones needed to be removed. And maybe you're sitting here right now and, and I don't know, you used to be alive unto God. But some bitterness has crept in. Some disappointment has crept in. My friends, Jesus doesn't want you to live dead. He is saying to you, remove the stone. Do your part and I'll do mine. Uh, I heard a story once, and I, I don't know why I'm going to give it right now, but, but I heard a story once. I'll try to get it right. It was of the Civil War. There are people in here that know the Civil War far better than I do, historians, and, and I may get some numbers right, and, uh, but all those, or I may get some numbers wrong, but all those people that died in the Civil War, it was a terrible time in our nation's history. By the way, there have been many dark days in our nation's history. God's guided us through, but this was a terrible time, brother against brother, Civil War. It's the end of the Civil War, the South had surrendered. General Lee was walking down the streets of Virginia, and a southern lady came out, and in that southern drawl, she said, General Lee, and I can't, I'm from the south side of Chicago, all right, so I'm not even going to try, <laughs> but she said, General Lee, and he said, ma'am, she's standing on her porch, and she pointed at a tree in the front yard. She said, that tree, that tree. I heard this story several months ago. I can't get it out of my mind. She said, that tree, that's where the Union soldiers tied up their horses. That's where the Union soldiers would come and take over the farm and uh, camp. And that tree, and she wanted revenge, and she wanted to rise again, and she wanted a continued war. And she said, generally, that tree, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Generally, looked at her, and, she, and he said, ma'am, he said, tear down the tree. Tear down the tree. That's what we're going to do. There's some people, there's some people in the room right now. There, there's, there's some barriers in your life. 
There's some sin in your life. I know it's Sunday morning, but hey, there's some sin in your life. And it's a stone. It is, it is there. And if you're listening, Jesus will call your name and, and he's saying to you, get it out of the way. Remove the stone. Let me, let me bring life back. Maybe there's some bitterness there. There's some disappointment there. Friend, you will never be alive unto God until you remove the stone. But thank God, he'll call you by name. He'll call you by name. He, he wants you. He wants to bring that thing back to life. When the Lord calls your name, he'll call it, first of all, for salvation. He'll call it for uh, consolation. He'll call it for revitalization. And last and finally, he'll call your name to make a declaration. A declaration. Turn to Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22. This will be our last scripture and I'll be done in a moment. Luke chapter number 22, we see an interesting conversation between the Lord and Peter. In Luke chapter number 22, verse number 31 the Bible says in Luke 22, 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. Listen to the tender words of our Lord. I love it. But I have prayed for thee. I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You see, Jesus will call your name. He'll call your name if you're lost. He'll call your name for salvation. If you're hurting, he'll call your name for consolation. If you're dead or dying, he'll call your name for revitalization. You remove the stone. You do your part, and God will do his. But I like this. Every now and again, he just shows up to make a declaration. He shows up, and in Simon's life, that was the case just a declaration. He said, Simon, Simon, look at what he said. He, he just gave him a simple outline. He said, number one, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He said, hey, Simon, make no mistake about it. The devil is real and he's after you. And church, let me just say, hey, the devil is real and he's after you. He's after our church. He's after our nation. He's after the second generation, but he's real. We better understand that. We play with, hey, I know it's not a Sunday night message, but, but I'm feeling it right now, all right? We play with sin, we play with the world, and we don't even realize what we're playing with. Satan, or Simon, Satan hath desired you. He hath desired to have you that he may sift you as we. And then look at number two, he says, but I have prayed for thee. He said, I've prayed for you. You say, yeah, well, that was Simon. That was Simon. Peter, of course he prayed for him, I know, but he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Let me tell you something, church. Jesus is praying for you. Let that sink in. Say, man, what are we going to do? And what am I going to do in, the, in our nation, and our family, with my marriage, with our finance? What are we going to do? Hey, Jesus is praying for you. I'm all for prayer time and prayer requests and, and texting a friend and pray for me. I, I believe in that, and it's biblical and scriptural, but never lose sight of the fact that no matter who you are, Jesus is praying for you. He said, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. And then look at what he says, that thy faith fail not. He says, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. This was just a declaration. Hey, Peter, Satan is real. And you're going to take some losses. And he's desired to have you, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you, and here it is, Peter. It's time for you to step up. 
Strengthen your brethren. Get with it again. It was a declaration. It was a, it was a, some motivation. And I believe if Jesus were here today, and if he were preaching today, uh, perhaps he may look at you and say, hey, I understand your circumstance, and I know what you're going through, but I've prayed for you, and it's time to step up and, and get to work and do what I've called you to do. It's a declaration. And he called us by name. There may be some in the room right now, and, and, and that's what it is. He's calling your name to step it up. Teenager to step it up in your class. Uh, church member to step it up in the community, to step it up at work, to, to step it up. Maybe there are some things you used to do that you don't do, and, and Jesus wants to make a declaration saying, I understand Satan has desired to have you, but I've prayed for you. Now, strengthen the brethren. Get with it. You see, he'll call your name. What a great God that he calls our name. Often I've heard about pastor, boy, what a, what a great pastor. He knows everybody's name in this big auditorium. He knows everybody's name, and it is great. It is commendable. What a great God that in this world, he knows your name. It doesn't matter how young or old you are, rich or poor, what color, what race, what nation you live in. Hey, if you're lost, he's calling your name for salvation. If you're broken, it's okay to be broken. But listen for the voice of Jesus. He could fix what is broken. He's done it in my life. He'll do it in your life. Listen, hey, you may not recognize him at first. You may think it's the gardener or the preacher or whatever, but it's the Lord, and he'll call your name for consolation, Mary. He'll call your name for revitalization. Lazarus, you're not as on fire as you used to be. Not as excited as you used to be. Your Christian life is dead and it stinks. <laughs> he'll call your name. He'll call, he'll call it with an authority. You say, well, I could never. I could. No, you can. You can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. He'll call, and he's calling your name. He'll call your name to make a declaration. He's looking at all of us saying, hey, the devil is real. But I've prayed for you. It's time to step it up. Friend, is he calling your name this morning? What a great God that he calls our name.